Blog Talk Radio. Talk Radio, Ultimate Sports Talk.com. I'm your host, Oscar Lopez. Be joined shortly uh, with Troy Wilson at about half the hour here tonight. Uh, and then we will have, in about uh, 15 minutes here, 10 minutes or so, we are going to have the uh, Fantasy Greek with Jim Sorrentes. Um, he's going to be coming on to talk NFL preseason, NFL fantasy football, kind of give us the rundown in terms of what's going on uh, in through, uh, you know, before we kick off uh, in September, obviously, a couple weeks from now for the regular uh, NFL kickoff. And uh, this weekend, we got to give a shout-out to a couple, um, you know, champions. Uh, we have the V-Queens uh, in the Women's Football League in Mexico, the non-full-kit league, and they win uh, their championship. Uh, it was this, this past weekend. It was against the Rangers, and they took care of the Rangers 46-36 with a fantastic season that they had so far in 2016. Um, so we're going to go into a little bit talking about that uh, matchup in a couple minutes here. And then uh, over in week two of the uh, league of uh, the Bikini League of Cancun, and that's the LFB, and then uh, the Barracudas, uh, the champs, uh, week two, undefeated at this point. Uh, they faced off the Sisters of Anarchy. You can go to our Facebook page, and get the rundown there from our uh, network in terms of the coverage of that week's game. Uh, there was a forfeited games for the weekend. There was a, th- a triple header slate, but those were canceled. Um, so they will be re- uh, rescheduled to a later date. So the 33-12 to victory by the Barracudas puts them in an undefeated streak right now, continuing the streak from 2015. So uh, very tough to beat at this point. Uh, the Sisters of Anarchy were coming off a, a big win in week one. Uh, but equal matchup here, and it looks like the champs were the better uh, team at this point. So in the Women's Football League, uh, we'll go into detail here. Uh, let me get that going here. And that was courtesy of Vanguardia, uh, Vanguardia.mx. Uh, so the Van, uh, Vanguardia.mx. It was a very big duel for the B-Queens at Estadio Olimpico. That was in Mexico. Um, and a running, running offensive threat. So as uh, Alexandra Garcia got the V-Queens going at a 6-0 and uh, very early in the matchup. And then um, the V-Queens ended up 
increasing their lead to 12 to 6 with a couple uh, another touchdowns by Alexander Garcia uh and then it was basically 18 to 6 um with a couple you know, contributions from uh 2 yards out by Dulce Montalvo uh which uh increased their lead to 18 to 6 at that point and the V Queens uh basically held off at that point uh the Rangers and the Rangers could not get anything offensively going at this point uh, Marissa Yarmillo uh, basically ends up um, finishing up the night with a score of 24 to 6. And so, new champions in the WFL from uh, last year was the Rangers. This year, it was basically uh, the V Queens. Congratulations to them. Um, the you know the Rangers played very good season as well. Uh, nothing to be ashamed of, but they came into this matchup uh, really shorthanded. And so the final score basically kind of relates to that as the V-Queens continued to pour it on. The, in the late run, it was the Rangers who decided to put up some points on there. They started to get gear up offensively in the second half. They ended up making it a 30-24 to 24, uh, with uh, basically a, a good run by Veri, Veridiana Martinez, uh, her contribution there. And then it was a tie game as a conversion by Leila Omar. Uh, increases the lead at a 38 to 30. The V Queens then, with Montalvo again, um, increased their lead to 46 to 30. And so the Rangers could not muster anything else in the late four quarters. About three minutes left in the fourth quarter, they could not just uh, you know come back at all at this point. It was basically the end. So the Rangers uh, fall 46 36. They lose their crown. They were the champs last year. But the V-Queens had a fantastic season, as I said before, in the Women's uh, Football League um, non-full kid style in Mexico. So congratulations to the V-Queens and also congratulations to the Rangers de Merida for their outstanding season as well in this uh, campaign in 2016. And we basically have not covered the WFL, uh, the WFL in it, but we are um, working to network it with them beginning uh, this fall and obviously into the new 2017 season. We're hoping that that's going to be the case, and then they're going to give us uh, more coverage. Um, we want to be, basically give a shout-out to all the networking folks out there that work with us to bring you that kind of coverage as well, the vanguardia.com.mx. you got the um, over in Cancun. You also have the um, where, where to Play Go in Cancun uh, on Twitter as well that helps us with it and keep us up to date on that, as well as the LFB official site. Um, and so where to go, Playa del Carmen's um, got some videos on there. So we share those as well on our Facebook page at Gridiron Beauties on Facebook. So thank you, everybody, for supporting us, uh, keeping us uh, in the loop as well. And also uh, for all the fans that uh, appreciate women's American football and women playing American football, whether it be on the full kit traditional NFL style or the bikini style slash lingerie style. We cover both because that's what it is. It's women's sports. It's important. We need to showcase the best talented athletes out there in in the globe. So Mexico is a kind of focal point for us this uh, this past season, as uh, most of the leagues, uh, full kit leagues, converged last two months. Then the WFL uh, started. Uh, we will we'll be branching out to WFL seven on seven at some point down the road here in the next couple months, trying to get their take on there, and they have some fantastic, as well as FXL, FXL in Mexico, a female extreme league in Mexico. Uh, we're going to be covering them as well in the non-full kit league. And then you have N- NFG, which is the Nations Football uh, Girls, 
will be launching soon down in uh, in uh, Guadalajara. So we got a lot of leagues to cover down there, and they all network with us. So it's great that we can cover everybody and all these athletes that obviously contribute, play hard, and uh, amazing talents as well. Um, in the LFB, as I mentioned before, the Barracudas defeated the Sisters of Anarchy. So great job by them. So far, so early. Uh, we'll have more coverage as as we get through the season as well. Week week three, all the way to, I believe to week twelve. So uh, keep it keep it on our Facebook page as well as LFB on Facebook as well. So on Twitter, that you can find them at LFB Oficial and get the coverages there as well. Um, the other league we got to talk about is Down Under, which we'll be covering throughout the NFL season. Um, it's going to be exciting times for us. Um, we have a lot of ne- uh, no joke football supporters. In Down Under, um, we have them in Victoria. We have them in New South Wales. We have them in Queensland. We even have a couple in the uh, Ladies' Great Iron uh, League, um, and it should be starting soon as well in uh, late November to early December. So Great Iron got Queensland uh, this past weekend. Uh, there was a cancellation uh, game. It was the uh, champion, uh, the Gold Coast, uh, Stone, uh, Gold Coast uh, Stingrays, if I can get my wording out here. Gold Coast Stingrays uh, were, uh, got a forfeit because the uh, Mauritan Bay Ra- uh, Raptors uh, could not field a team at this point, so they're forfeited. they forfeited the game that gives the Stingrays a win, 2-0 and undefeated in the season with the forfeit. Then we had um, the Jets taking on the Thunder, um, so you had uh, our no-joke football supporter, Christian Moran, and as well as uh, off the Thunder, um, Aroa Tello, um, and she was on there, so 44-6. The Jets defeated the Thunder, the brand-new Thunder, the Griffith Uni Thunder. Um, they've been really good. Week one, they played outstanding. And now in week two, they obviously uh, the Jets are totally on a different level, more competitive. They have championship uh, pedigree as well as veteran players as well. So there's the mix in there, but great job by the Thunder at least to put up six points uh, on the Jets. The Ravens uh, defeated the Spartans 26-14. Uh, Bayside Ravens were the, the huge story last year, uh, kind of the Cinderella story in uh, Great Iron Queensland in 2015. Uh, they played an outstanding game. Uh, Sammy Harris, uh, Lucy Jarris out there. Um, and so, you know, no, no different this season. They're, they are looking for a return to the final. Uh, they got beaten week one, but no shame there. They rebound and defeat the Spartans 26-14. to Spartans was also a team last year that struggled to kind of maintain a roster and competitive roster. So we'll see how they do this year. Uh, so the Ravens are a one and one at this point. Stingrays two and two. The Jets are two and two. Um, Jets and Stingrays will not meet until deeper in the season at this point. So a lot of football to be played in Gridiron Queensland at this point. Um, and then we're going to go into the, we're going to go talking legends football league finals that happened at Showware center this past weekend. Um, it was between the Seattle Mist taking out the Dallas Desire, and then it was the uh, Atlanta Steam taking out the Chicago Bliss. Uh, very exciting games. We'll bring in Troy Wilson here at the bottom of the hour at uh, about um, 30 minutes or so after uh, we get done with Jim Sorrentes uh, of, of the Fantasy Football uh, at the Fantasy uh, Greek, and then we'll get, we'll get through that, and then we'll get to Troy Wilson's intake and analysis We'll get to see the games this past this past week coming up this Saturday. We should see the the whole game. We got some tidbit news from people that were there live at uh, Shower Center, 
as well as some fans that actually gave us some feed, uh, live feed, and that's on our Twitter feed at Gridiron Beauty. So you can always check that out as well. And, you know, we knew Seattle was going to come in in a tough battle. Uh, Desire really uh, edged them at home, uh, in their home, when they went on the road. But we already knew with the all-fantasy talented loaded squad that the Miss have that it was going to be basically a no contest if at that. And it turned out to be that because uh, Dallas just could not, uh, you know, stay toe-to-toe with K.K. Matheny, Danica Brace, and the, the all-fantasy stuff, you know, of Jessica Hopkins, and you start naming uh, Brent Rinda, uh, you get down the road. Uh, it's just there's a lot of talent on the Seattle team that meshed together um, has been so good. And so during the season there, it was just a matter of time before that. And one game – two legends cup. Okay. Uh, this team was not going to be denied a return to the championship. Um, so we have a, basically a rematch at this point, uh, given the fact. So we'll go into detail, uh, with Troy's thoughts on the matchups this weekend, how we're going to go to legends cup, get a preview as to who's going to win legends cup in Scottsdale, Arizona on August 27th, Atlanta, the same concept, Atlanta steam literally came out. Um, you know, they had played the week before, they got beat the week before uh, in the same fashion this week as last week. So sort of mind-boggling the fact that they could take a lead and not hold a lead. And so the Bliss pull up sort of a, an equal uh, performance from last week to this week, and they basically hold the team scoreless to the end. And so it showcases the talent, the experience, and the amount of coaching uh, Coach Hack was just uh, amazing that game, and you had a couple key players there also. Um, so uh, Jacinda Barkley, as well as Crystal Harris, A.J. Johnson, uh, you know, the cast of defense, which is Chantel, um, Chantel uh, and uh, obviously Joshie Rice as well. And so, you know, when you put that together, sort of equal to Seattle. So it's kind of fitting that you're going to have uh, Seattle Miss taking on Chicago Bliss, basically the two best squads in Legends Football League in 2000. Um, 16, with the exception of the Los Angeles Temptation, who unfortunately, you know, um, could not do a better job to get into the playoffs. So at this point, their fate was basically relying on Omaha, which did not come through for them. So it it was just a matter of time before that happened. But it's uh, Bliss versus Miss. Uh, You know, Chicago looking to get back another cup uh, from last year's uh, championship, and Seattle looking for a back-to-back championship win. So we'll see how that works out right at this point. Um, go to the shop at Zazzle.com. Zazzle.com. You can get all the gear. And please support our project. Uh, we are supporting the Outback Squad. Any purchase that you make on a Chalkline tee at this point will be donated $3 to the Outback uh, Women's Australian Squad that's going to be competing for the IFAB World Championships in 2017. So we really appreciate it if you go to Zazzle.com. Use the uh, customary code for 10% off at ordership10, customary code ordership10. If there's a better code, uh, daily codes are there every time, and they're up to 40%. So if it's a better code than the ship10 code, make sure you use those codes. Take advantage of all the sales that happen there. So zazzle.com forward slash gridironbeauties. So let's go into talking fantasy football right now. Uh, with one of the best in the business, and you, you can follow him on Twitter at the Fantasy Greek. You can go follow him on uh, Facebook as well at the Fantasy Greek. 
And we're going to go ahead and bring into the huddle uh, Jim Sorrentes uh, from the the Fantasy Greek. So, Jim, are you on? Hey, guys. How are you? I'm doing great, Jim. How, how are you doing today? Doing real well. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can hear you great. Um, I don't have my co-host here until uh, probably a couple more minutes here. There's some uh, things that happened today. But other than that, it's going to be me and you solo at this point So uh, for a couple minutes here. And so, awesome. Jim, uh, tell us a little bit about the guide that you got on going on on Amazon and how the fans can get dive in before we start talking about all this, you know, all fantasy uh, information. Absolutely. Uh, well, for those of you out there who aren't familiar with us, it's the fantasygreek.com. Uh, we're going into our fifth year. Uh, we are a full-service fantasy football website providing news, analysis, rankings, injury reports, and as such. Um, you referenced our fantasy draft guide. It's our third one. Um, it's 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 won awards from the bestseller to the best uh, new release two years in a row. Um, it's available on Amazon.com. Just go to Amazon and in the search engine, type fantasy Greek draft guide. You'll see it. We've got Le'Veon Bell on the cover. Um, it covers, you know, it gives draft tips, top 200 player lists, top positional ranks. We have our first ever. 12-team mock draft with uh, 12 industry analysts that we pulled together. Um, not only does it have the mock draft, but they all give you what, what, why they did what they did and their own personal tips on how to handle your drafts. Um, for, for the first time ever, we have individual defensive player ranks. Or for those up there, it's called IDP ranks. Um, it was something that people have been asking for, and we finally decided what we should give to them. And then we have, for the first time ever, and I'm unaware of anyone else that does this, um, we call them QFG ranks. That means quality fantasy games. We can talk about it as we talk about fantasy drafts. But in essence, what it does is it's, it's a top 50 list of the players that you need to draft when you step up and uh, do your fantasy drafts over the next couple of weeks. And um, go get it. Uh, it's got some reviews out there. You can check them out. Um, we've got some really good loyal followers. So, you know, we think you'll like it. Now a lot of a lot of talk goes into this this year because a lot of transition with a lot of teams too and new rookie influx and everything else. So that's really yeah. going to affect your draft this year, where you don't have the comfort zone of a Peyton Manning anymore. Uh, you know, maybe you got a Tom Brady, but you got to start looking. Let's just talk about quarterbacks, for example. A lot of unknowns. Uh, maybe some they were second or third strings that were hanging out with different teams throughout these past couple seasons. So it's really about. Um, you know, reliability and comfort zone in terms of trying to figure out who you're going to actually slot in the game besides the normal uh, big names that we normally had accustomed, getting accustomed to, right? Well, uh, yeah, and you know, here, the the face of fantasy football has changed. And one of the things that we discussed in the magazine is the fact that wide receivers have sort of pushed out running backs from the top 10 list. Um, And that's happened simply because the number of, wide receivers posting over a thousand yards receiving has increased in the last five to seven years. And the reverse has occurred for running backs in terms of quarterbacks. We're seeing that the difference between number one and number five isn't a big difference. So you don't have to run out there and get the number one quarterback to think, Oh, you know, that's what I need for my fantasy team to win. In fact, I would tell you don't even think about drafting a quarterback until the earliest round five. Um, you should be sitting there focusing, and again, getting back to this top 50 Q, QFG list, uh, a majority of our list is made up of quarterbacks. That means 
that you've got less running backs and less wide receivers to put up these quality fantasy games, and you want those guys first because you you can get Derek Carr and and have him your starter. You don't have to have Cam Newton, and you'll be fine when you're boasting the top wide receivers and the top running backs on your roster. So as far as quarterbacks are concerned, you know, if, if people start drafting them first round in your draft, don't panic. Go after those top wide receivers and those top running backs. You will be very, very happy. I guarantee it. Now, when we're talking, when we're talking wide receivers, a lot of a lot of good receivers from last year kind of broke out. You know, in Jacksonville, you got a tandem there. So, what yeah. can you tell us about who the names that we need to be looking out in terms of you know receivers? Well, you know, it, there's going to be plenty of them. Um, you know, obviously you know who your top guys are. Antonio Brown uh, is the number one guy. In fact, I would suggest that in any fantasy format, if you've got the number one overall pick, he's the guy that you're drafting. And then after that, Julio Jones, Odell, Odell Beckham. But you know what? If you know the obvious, you don't want to hear about that. You want to hear about other wide receivers that you should be sort of high on, especially if you're going to uh, uh, pick a wide, re- a wide receiver one late in the first round or into the second round, or even as your second wide receiver. One wide receiver that I absolutely love is Keenan Allen from the Chargers. As you might recall, he had a season cut short last year. In the latter part of the season against the Ravens, he broke his leg. Um, the reality is is he was on a pace uh, to catch well over 100 receptions last season, 13 to 1,400 yards re- receiving, uh, multiple TDs. He should be back on that same pace this year. So if you have an opportunity to get him, especially as your second wide receiver, by all means, go get him. Another guy I like is T.Y. Hilton. Last year, he was relatively a bust because he only was able to score six TDs and slightly better than 1,000 yards receiving when everyone expected him to be more of the 1,300, 1,400-yard type of uh, wide receiver. Well, Andrew looks back. He looks great. He looks healthy. Um, And we expect that the Colts' passing game to be elevated this year, the better than last year for certain. And a guy like him and Dante Moncrief are going to be two guys to target in your drafts. And if you can get them a second wide receivers, that's great. Maybe as you're looking down the list of wide receivers and looking a little bit deeper and wondering who else um, you might be able to get, I certainly still like Eric Decker of the Jets. Um, in fact, we've got a real good article that went up today on our site. It's still on our homepage that relates to 2015 targets um, and, is it, and how, it, how it affects 2016. And the Jets last year were at the very top of uh, the NFL league in terms of uh, how many uh, pass attempts they made. That, that, that's a great stat, even if it drops a little bit this year because of Matt Forte. The reality is, is that Brandon Marshall and Eric Decker are going to dominate uh, the target lists each and every week, certainly by the end of the season. So these are two guys that you can go ahead and get. Now, if you want to look a little deeper um, let's even talk about a, a couple rookies that I like. Um, these are guys you're going to get in your later round drafts, um, you know, as a, probably wide receiver fives. Uh, but one of them that, that I like uh, is the young kid from the Bengals. Um, uh, but, 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 uh, after Brandon LaFell, okay, hold on. Sorry, guys, I just lost his name. Uh, Tyler Boyd, I'm so sorry. I was actually watching the, the, uh, the game today between them and the Pittsburgh Steelers, and he looks phenomenal. The kid was great in college. Um, he can catch the football either in the X or Y position out of a slot. He's probably going to get a bunch of slot work. He can throw the football. He can run on a jet sweep. 
Um, the thing that I like is with the injuries that the Bengals have had at the tight end position, he's been able to get more and more comfortable with Andy Dalton. So he's a guy I think you should target for a late-round grab. Uh, another guy I see rising as the preseason progresses is Will Fuller from the Texans. Uh, Will Fuller, I mean, if you watched last week's game um, and even follow, we have, again, another article on our website right now, thefantasygreek.com. Um, he and Jalen Strong, who's a second-year wide receiver, are pretty much neck and neck in terms of snaps. But he seems to be have sort of more of the upside because of his ability to get downfield, break the big plays, and score a touchdown. Those are a few guys that, that we like. Um, there's certainly a few more. Come to the site, get our draft magazine, and you can check it out for yourself. Now, Jim, I was reading up on some of the uh, some of the key ones that you were mentioning earlier, but you you're, you guys were uh, kind of making uh, kind of making light that we could have uh, Jay Cutler could have a good year given the fact that he's got uh, Ashton Jeffries and Kevin White, and he also has Zach Miller. So, uh, I mean, at this point, for fantasy purposes. Is it something to really look into uh, with Cutler, Jeffries, and White at this point? Is it kind of a, a threesome tandem in terms of scoring and points? Are you are you asking me how I feel about about them in general? Or are you asking me about drafting Cutler and trying to draft the other two wide receivers? Yeah, I'm, I'm asking about maybe uh, drafting those three as a tandem uh, in terms of maximizing mm-hmm. some points because um, mm-hmm. you know it looks like. That's going to be, uh, you know, we've all everybody's always taken either Jay Cutler up there, but sure. it's, it's never he's never been one of those guys that is, you know, more of the durable guys, kind of reliable in terms yeah. of points in some instances, but not as durable. Yeah. So at this point, if he's got weapons, do we assume at this point, if you're not drafting the quarterback at the beginning, as you said at later rounds, would he be yeah. an option just to kind of like, you know, put a bandaid on somebody else that you might be, might be taking? Well, here, you know, I, I've been impressed by um, the uh, the Bears in their preseason. I think that for a second year, Jay Culler gets to run the same offense. That's something that he didn't get the opportunity to do before. And you see chemistry, obviously, with him and Alshon Jeffrey. And I think Kevin White, despite the fact that this is really his rookie season, he's going to be impressive. Um, and they certainly have a running game. The reality is, is that Jay Culler – Last year was the best season he's had in many, many years. To see him do that two years in a row would be one heck of a feat. And even the numbers he posted last year wasn't good enough to be a QB1 in fantasy football. So to me, he's at best a top to mid-level reserve, regardless of what the Bears offense does. Could he do better? Sure. But for purposes of drafting him, that's the way that you view him. There's just too many things going against him historically to make you think that he could suddenly make the big jump and let's say be a 4,000-yard passer and 30-TD passer. Just don't see it. Alshon Jeffrey remains um, sort of a low-end wide receiver one, high-end wide receiver two. We have him flagged as an injury risk, and primarily it's because um, his his injury history, um, you know, it's he's missed games just a soft tissue injury. So to me, if you can get him as your second wide receiver, it's much better than your first wide receiver because you're hoping that your first wide receiver is active each and every single week. So that's how I would view him. Kevin White, some people I think might take him as high as a wide receiver three. I think that's a mistake simply because he's a rookie. I mean, he's more of a reserve player for right now until you're here otherwise. He's certainly a top talent. I mean, you go back and you, you, you look at his film from college, 
which I did this off season just to sort of reorientate myself with him, um, given the fact that he had missed last season. I even watched one of his interviews, and he is a, a, a very mild-mannered, uh, got a good head on his shoulder, plays just – he's explosive. So he's got all the right things going for him. Now we just need to see him translate that on the field. And I, I don't see you having to spend, a, you know, a single-digit round pick on him. You should be able to get him, you know, at the beginning of, of round 10 or so, um, at least hopefully unless somebody really loves him that much. But so the, to answer your question – I don't think you should try and couple those guys because I just don't view Jay Cutler as a QB1 right now, even though you could certainly have Elshon Jeffrey as your starter and have Jay Cutler as your backup. Yeah, the, the, other, the other question everybody's kind of like uh, asking is, we got RG3, uh, RG3 in, um, in Cleveland, and so, you know, different, different environment. He's obviously given the struggles that he had in Washington. Uh, uh, with different coaches and stuff like that. Preseason-wise, he looks like he's he's going to be capable to put up big yardage numbers. So is is he a gamble? Well, uh, well, he is. If, if you if you think you want to get him as your QB one, I would not do that. As a reserve, I I think he's well worth it because um, certainly his ceiling could be higher than what we haven't projected at. Um, I've been pleasantly surprised with what I've seen from him in these two preseason games. Um, he's done all the right things. He's made all the right passes and non-passes. And when he's run the ball, he's done the right thing by getting to the deck much quicker than he did when he was with the Redskins. He seems to be having fun. You see, you know, he's hitting multiple receivers, Gary Barnage, uh, for one, uh, which makes him still a, a top, in my mind, uh, tight end one in fantasy. So I like those things. I think, you know, if, if you're the kind of person that has a backup quarterback on your roster, he's not a, he's not bad. Um, if you have him in a keeper league for some reason, hold on to him. Um, this this was an opportunity for him. Uh, I think there was plenty going against him, uh, which you know made it in my mind many reasons. There were many reasons not to rank him high. However, so far through two games, you got to tip your hat to him. Hopefully, he has another good week three. And then we'll see how he does in the preseason. If, if you're in a smaller 10-team league, you're, he's not going to be on your roster. He'll be on waivers. But who knows, maybe you'll end up picking him up for a bye week. Now, uh, you know, Jim, the, the question was uh, Detroit. I got a lot of people in Detroit. Reliability with Calvin Jones. You knew he was going to, you know, he, he had good, good hands, good numbers. Yeah, very safe safety pick if you had him, you know, selected. At this point, uh, it looks like it's going to be Marvin Jones uh, coming from the Bengals, and then you also have uh, Golden Tate still a- available there. So um, options there with those two receivers in, in, in regards to maybe uh, production? Well, sorry, um, before the Lions added Anton Bolden, I had Golden Tate as a solid low-end wide receiver one. If you got him as a wide receiver two, we're very lucky. I have downgraded him a little bit because of Anton Bolden. Because I really like Anton Bolden. I don't care that he's older. The reality is, is he's a great possession receiver, very trustworthy, understands the game of football, um, understands different offenses and defenses. And I saw a lot of that in watching this game that they just had against the Bengals this past uh, weekend. Um, and my concern had been that he would be eating into not only Marvin Jones's production, but more importantly, Golden Tate. So I had downgraded both of them a little bit. Um, probably by a full position level. Now, having watched the game, 
something that strikes me, and, it, and I think it's, it's obvious as time goes on, the Detroit Lions are going to be a passing football team. Um, their defense, while it did look good this past weekend, is not expected to be good over the course of the season, which means they'll be, be behind in games, which means they're going, to have, they're, going to, they're going to be pressured to score. And, you know, for everything you can say about Amir Abdul, I do like him as a uh, third running back, fourth running back, if you can get him that, at that point. Um, I do like him for that, I, but I still think he has a ceiling. I, I don't think he's necessarily – Certainly, I don't think he's a 1,400-yard rusher. Could it be a 1,000-yard rusher, five-plus TDs? Absolutely. Um, the thing that will hold him down is Theo Riddick. But the bigger point being that that's a passing offense, I'm probably now going to move Golden State back up my ranks. Same thing with Marvin Jones, because Matt Stafford, especially with Marvin Jones, he, he really was showing some chemistry. And if that holds true, which it looks like it will, you know, I think there's some value there. Uh, Golden Tate's, again, back to sort of a borderline wide receiver one, better as a wide receiver two, and Marvin Jones is right there as a wide receiver two, better as a wide receiver three. Now the now you go to we go to tight ends. Uh, a lot of options, you know, a lot of players switched around. So uh, obviously we got to talk about Greg Olson, Panthers, yeah. uh, Jordan Reed in Washington. Uh, even Gary Barnidge, uh, who did pretty well with Cleveland, but everybody obviously wants to take probably <laughs> Gronk. Um, so, you know, what's the suggestion there in terms of? You know, there's a lot of options, and, and some of them have been very productive from last year. So, depending on their offensive scheme this year with their teams, um, they've been getting more, um, you know, they're more good to targets, um, more so than wide receivers. So, how do we go that route? Well, first off, with tight ends, obviously, if you don't get uh, Rob Gronkowski, um, you know, don't panic, don't freak out. I mean, that's okay. Um, you know, he's he's the number one guy, and he's the number one guy by a big margin over everyone else. Um, after Gronkowski, I don't think there should be another tight end selected until at least the third round, if not the fourth round. A lot of people have uh, Jordan Reed as number two. I think we even have him as number two. But, but you know, he doesn't come without any risk. And, uh, he hasn't yet to have a full 16-game season in his three-year career. Um, the tight end position is going to be a little bit less sexy than previous years. I think people expect a lot more from the position before this year. We're now, I think we're seeing sort of the transition um, to this passing game and the passing game really favors the top wide receivers rather than the top tight ends. And um, with the exception of a couple players, for example, Gary Barnage, he's probably still the best receiver on that team. Um, Greg Olson is probably going to be still the best tight end or the best receiver on the Panthers. Um, so there's a couple of exceptions. Otherwise, you know, what you're hoping to get is a, a tight end on the high side between 800 to 1,000 yards receiving and eight TDs. So, you know, there's a lot of tight ends that sort of fit that bill, could potentially do that. A Kobe Fleener could do that once he settles into the offense. Delaney Walker could have another repeat. Um, I mean, he had a phenomenal season last year, which is part of the reason we don't think he's going to repeat it this year. But I suppose that remains to be seen. But there's plenty of reasons to think that he won't. So, anyway, I guess what I'm saying is get yourself a ranking. There's plenty of, of tight ends that um, – that you can like, and I've mentioned several, and, you know, just try not to reach one. Try not to overdraft one. I mean, if you spend your first four or five rounds 
on running backs and wide receivers before you've picked a quarterback, before you pick a tight end, then go get your quarterback, and now you're picking a tight end in the seventh round. Don't panic. You should be able to get somebody real good at that point. And you have we have everybody's got injury concerns because you got Jimmy Graham, pretty durable with the Saints, and and then you go to and then he goes to Seattle and has pretty much missed five games last season. Um, I was going through your list, I think earlier today, kind of just dissecting some notes here on your top ten fantasy tight ends, and uh, pretty much the the four to seven, which is uh, Olson, Tyler, uh, Eifert, and Kobe Fleener, sort of a gamble in in a lot of aspects because of their durability aspect of it, but also based on who's throwing to them. So we know, for example, for Fleener, you got still Durabreeze, who's able to get, you know, production there. But if you go down to, you know, Seattle, we don't know if, you know, where he's going to be slotted at this point, if he's going to be the go- one of the, the go-to guys, given his, uh, you know, yeah. missing the games last year, sort of like question mark there. And then if we go down deeper, you guys had um, Antonio Gates, um, and Travis Kelsey, and then obviously you had just mentioned Delani Walker. So, so it's it, like to your point, it's really not uh, such a necessary to pick up early. It's more of you know there will be somebody available maybe that will give you some productivity, not so much the the go to guy, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I will point out that the article on our site um, was from back on June 23rd. It hasn't changed substantially, but it's changed a little bit. So, for example, Tyler Eifert, who I think he's finally getting back on the practice field this week, I think. Um, you know, there's a huge flag on him because of his injury. Um, he hasn't been practicing. There's sort of a question mark whether he'll be back in week one or not. So we've downgraded him a little bit. Um, Kobe Fleener struggling, struggling a little bit in the Saints office, offense, but we're expecting him to bounce back and get right into it. Jimmy Graham is interesting. I mean, he's a guy that I haven't had a chance to talk about in a long time. We still have him sort of as a top 10 tight end, but he might even be a player that you might want to avoid unless you're the last last team picking a tight end, and he still happens to be there. The reason being is his injury was very serious, and it's still a huge question mark whether he'll be ready in week one, week two, week three. Um, and there's a question mark whether he'll even be the same player, along with the fact that we saw how, com- how productive he was in the Seattle Seahawks offense. And the answer to that was not very productive. So you might want to decide to, you know, get Travis, put Travis Kelsey over him, certainly Delaney Walker over him. Antonio Gates, you know, he's definitely at the end of his career, but he'll still be a trusted receiver um, for uh, Phillip Rivers. And if you're worried about some of these guys' health, their health, the reality is, is there's going to be some pretty good tight end twos that will likely play like tight end ones this year. So while there's, there's not exciting tight ends, the position is deeper. For example, Zach Miller from the Bears, he should be productive in that offense. Martellus Bennett for the Patriots, it looks like the Patriots are going to roll out two tight end sets more often than not. Um, I know Ladarius Green was somebody that we had ranked. We've now taken him off our top 200 list that we provide to the people who purchased um, the draft magazine from Amazon and applied for the TFG access, which is you get when you get the, the magazine. Um, we've now put Jesse James in his place. Uh, Ladarius Green has yet to practice with Ben Roethlisberger. He, it looks like he's going to miss the beginning of the season. I know there was some talk he might miss the whole season. That probably won't be the case. But Jesse James has looked good, and he's a trusted player on, on that Steelers team. He's almost a Heath Miller clone, so we like him to post 
low-end TE1 numbers as long as he's the starter. And you could look at other players like Will Ty from the Giants, uh, potentially Dwayne Allen from the Colts. Um, Vance McDonald is sort of a, a sleeper in, that, in this tight end class, as is Erica Braun. So, you know, if you, if you end up getting one of the lower tight ends, don't panic. Or if you, somebody gets hurt, there'll be somebody to step up and, and, you know, handle the tight end position for you in fantasy. Awesome. Now, on the running back end of things, uh, a lot of names, some new names, plus some veteran names. Uh, you know, the top name, obviously, my Rams, my Rams running back, Todd Gurley. Uh, the Rams figuring out, fig- figuring out their offensive scheme at this point. Quarterbacks going to start with the three different quarterbacks, plus you know, Goff, who's well touted at this point. Um, what's your sense in Los Angeles at this point in terms of a fantasy aspect with, with some picks? I mean, I know you you would take obviously if Gurley was on the board, you'd take him. But reality is at this point, uh, the quarterback issue there is kind of questionable in terms of where, are they going to do well in the West, considering you know uh, Arizona, San Francisco now with the Chip Kelly offense, and then obviously the uh, Seattle is always pretty tough in that aspect. So, so if we're looking at you know picking up some players, maybe uh, let's say from Los Angeles in particular, besides Gurley, who who do we look at at this point? You know, that's a good question, and it's hard to say. Um, meaning, you know, Tavon Austin would be the next best fantasy player on that team, um, in part because of, you know, he's going to be both um, a receiver as well as a running back in that offense or post, post those kinds of numbers. Um, and, and another guy that would be more of a sleeper, in my mind, is Kenny Britt. And his value is boasted by the fact that, or buoyed by the fact that Casey Keenan is looking like he's going to be the starter for week one. I know, uh, you know, and I, and I can't say that that's a certainty, but the talk has been Casey Keenum would be, and certainly based on what I saw in their game this past weekend, he was certainly able to run the offense and he looked more comfortable with the players on the field. He was able to connect with Kenny Britt several times. That could only help uh, a player like Todd Gurley, to be honest with you. So I would say um, Tavon Austin is next. Britt would be after that. You don't need Tavon Austin. You don't need Kenny Britt. Uh, both carry a risk. The big one with Tavon Austin is uh, getting back to that QFG rating, which I wouldn't mind talking about for a quick minute. Um, I don't have our current rating in front of us. I'm trying to find out where we're talking. But one of the things with Tavon Austin, which is difficult, is he has weeks where he puts up no fantasy points or very few, and then he suddenly steps up and he blows it up. Well, the QFG rating, what it does is it evaluates quality fantasy games. And we define it slightly differently for quarterbacks compared to the other positions. But in essence, it's double-digit fantasy points for all the positions except quarterback. Quarterback is 240 yards plus two TDs. That's a quality fantasy game. And you want players that post as many of those as possible because what that means is your team will consistently be in all its fantasy games and should win a majority of them. And a great example as to two different players that you might think obviously one's better than the other, um, despite and both those players would be Cam Newton and Tom Brady. Cam Newton was the number one fantasy football quarterback last season, had the most fantasy points. Uh, Tom Brady was close behind them, but the big difference is Tom Brady had more of these quality fantasy games, which would mean that you probably won most of your games with Tom Brady. You probably even won your championship with Tom Brady. With Cam Newton, because he had games where he didn't do as well as his big games. You know, it's not to say he didn't win, but you may not have. And you may have 
missed the playoffs or missed the, lost a key game, which kept you out of the playoffs because of his underperformance in a few instances. So it's not to say Cam Newton's a bad quarterback. I'm just pointing out that that's why you shouldn't panic. But you should, if you miss out on him or Aaron Rodgers, well, you should try and collect all these other running backs and wide receivers that every week should be in line for double-digit fantasy points, regardless of the format. Yeah, and I, I think that makes sense uh, if, if you know if you're looking for that. Um, and then you guys had the top ten running backs at this point, uh, the top overrated fantasy players. So it's a good, it's a great list to kind of just chat down and discuss because you you guys put Jonathan Stewart up there, and this is obviously from June 15th, and things have changed since then. Damaris Thomas, um, you know, Chris Ivory, Deion Lewis, Frank Gore, Des Bryant. Um, so let's talk let's talk about, about Des Bryant. What do you think, what kind of season he's going to have? You know, um, I've had a slight change of mind with Des Bryant since that list originally came out. When that list came out, and it's indicated in the list, the big thing about him is um, Tony Romo. Tony Romo has been one of the most injury-prone quarterbacks in the past five seasons that we've seen. And the assumption is not that Tony Romo will suddenly come back, and or it shouldn't be, even though I think some people are assuming it, that he'll be this fantasy-relevant quarterback that we saw five years ago. Um, the chances are the, the Cowboys are going to do exactly what they did with DeMarco Murray. They're going to run the football as much as possible this season, whether it be through Ezekiel Elliott or Alfred Morris. But what this means for Des Bryant is he's still going to be the top target in the passing game for the Cowboys. We hesitated because without Tony Romo, Des Bryant's awful. But now, after you've seen Dak Prescott in these first two preseason games, regardless of, you know, whether he can maintain that level uh, in the regular season, he can still produce. He can still get the ball to Des Bryant. So now I'm of the opinion that Des Bryant, his value is now improved because of the presence of Dak Prescott um, as compared to last season where they went through, I think it was three backup quarterbacks, and Des Bryant was just awful. So I would take him off that list as of right now. Now I'm impressed with Preston as well. So, I mean, the – do you think at Prescott. this point, because of, yeah, because, Prescott, because of uh, Romo's durability issues, do you think that the probability for him to start is probably great this season? You know, for that to happen, Tony Romo's going to have to play himself out of the starting job or um, get hurt. Um, you know, in the NFL, and it's difficult for lay people to understand, there's a packing order and there's culture. And most coaches believe in the fact that you give the veterans the opportunity, the proven veterans, the opportunity to be the starters. And if they struggle and the door opens for someone, that's different than just demoting them uh, just because you believe the next guy up's ready. Dak Dak Prescott certainly could benefit from sitting on the sidelines and holding the clipboard and watching Tony Romo, um, no questions asked. But if he's thrust into action due to an injury or underperformance, I just feel better that uh, he'll he'll play well enough to protect the value of uh, Des Bryant. But Dak Prescott, to me, is definitely their quarterback of the future. Yeah, he played really well, especially uh, the opener against the Rams. I mean, that was pretty impressive to me. I mean, he looked really good. He was on point. Um, like you said, he had a little – it was really good chemistry with the, uh, Bryant and him. So, I mean, it looked, yeah, for Cowboy fans, I guess it's got a good time. Yeah, right, exactly. That's why I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. 
he seems very comfortable in that in that role. So that's that, that's good for them. Um, any other any other names that we need to be looking at in terms of? I know we, we, we don't want to talk. I don't usually talk defense at who what defense to take at this point. But but is there a defense that sticks out to you right now so early? Uh, you know we have our top list. I you know I I, I could sit here and talk about my Bears how I think they're a deep sleeper. Uh, but people are going to roll their eyes about that, and, and, and I wouldn't draft them. But I think they're a team that could really surprise people. Um, you know, it's going to be the usual suspects, and then there's going to be a, a bunch of different defenses that will probably some weeks play elite and some weeks not. I mean, your elite ones are going to always be the Seahawks, the Broncos, the Panthers. Um, boy, I'm trying to think of who else. Um, the Can we trust the Texans, Tim? Oh, the Texans, of Can we course. trust the Texans at this point? Say that again? I say, can we trust the Texans at this point? Absolutely. Um, and if you're referring to J.J. Watt's injury, I mean, the indications are it's going to be okay. Oh, okay. So I, I wouldn't worry about that. Um, with defenses in fantasy football, you know, again, the first defense is probably going to go in about the eighth or ninth round. Um, there's no reason for that. You, if in a 15 round draft, you you should be drafting your your defense in the 13th, 14th round. I was uh, one of my keeper leagues. We're drafting next weekend. Um, we're allowed to keep one player drafted in the sixth round or later. And I and I went back to look at last year's draft results, and I was stunned because I forgot all about this. The defense that I drafted in the second to last round was the Denver Broncos. So, wow. you know, I mean, it, it happens. And, you know, what you do, you go out and you get a draft magazine like ours, um, you study it, you, you put these things in the back of your head, you let people pick and pick and, you know, some people don't show up with top 200s, don't do any research um, or at least updated research, and um, you are actually at an advantage. And I like our top 200s. I think they're sensible. We do our own projections. Um, I, I, you know, you look at projections that are on these uh, uh, these draft sites right now, and they're not accurate. Um, they tend to get uh, updated as we get closer to the season. Um, most of those players are, are being ranked, I think, based on their value as opposed to what, what the final numbers are going to be. And, and we try to keep those in mind and, and change them when, you know, something like, like I mentioned, some of the things with a player like Des Bryant, um, his numbers won't change, but I feel more confident saying you can play them or you can pick them. Where, uh, and I would take them off that um, overdrafted list at this point. So, you know, if you do those things, you should be able to tell when um, a great value just falls into your lap. Uh, my keeper in this particular league, it was funny, was uh, Doug Martin from the Buccaneers, and I drafted him in round oh, nine. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. So, Nobody wanted to touch him because of his poor history from the year before. And I went right, heavy right, wide right. receivers, heavy wide receivers. And, I, and I, I can't remember. I think I drafted Latavius Murray right ahead of him and then grabbed uh, Doug Martin. So, you know, if you've done your, your homework, other people have not. And they won't know anything about running backs. They won't know, you know, so Devonta Booker is a great backup to have. Derrick Henry is a great backup to have. Um, despite, you know, being young young players, the reality is, is they're probably going to be uh, have substantial roles as a backup running back in their offenses, and if injury strikes, they're suddenly going to be um, elevated 
into being the workhorse running back of their respective teams. So you don't want to miss out on those players. And, um, you know, if, if you do everything and prepare, I would say you're ahead of the, the ballgame. Yeah, I'm kind of excited for the Rams this year because they got Singletary guiding the ship, a uh, brand-new breed of players, even though we lost, you know, a lot of key players uh, in the offseason. just seems to me like there's emerging players on this squad. So defensively, for me, as a, you know, from a fantasy standpoint, if they can evolve and compete in the West, I think that would be an option for them. But to your point, there are obviously better options in terms of defense. And then as we get oh, closer – the Rams are another good defense. If I didn't mention them, it wasn't because I thought they were bad. I just slipped my mind. No, no, I, that's what I'm saying. It's like still an emerging because uh, based on what they lost and what they were able to acquire through the draft right now and putting together the some of the coaching changes that they've done with uh, Fisher, I'm not a real big Fisher fan. You know, I know that's our coach and all that, but the, Fisher doesn't come across to me as, you know, like a Belichick that's going to take us to the promised land at this point. I'm hoping yeah. that this will be the year that they, you know, that they that they evolve into something, a playoff run or something. But I just my confidence level isn't at a high level with his coaching staff at this point. It just doesn't seem yeah. like he's going to get off the eight and eight or or seven and nine, you know, uh, binge on that. So uh, given that, I just, I mean, I, I'm not, I'm excited that they're back in LA, but it's not like it, you know, because they have the old coach doesn't mean that. It's going to get any better at this point. Um, Adrian Peterson, uh, do you feel like he's going to put up big numbers this year based on what they've done in, in uh, with Teddy Bridge, Bridgewater? Well, I'll tell you, for them to be competitive, he's going to have to. And what I mean by big numbers is his sort of his expected, his projected 1,400 yards rushing, uh, double-digit TDs. That's sort of the, the ceiling for him this year, and he's 31 years old. He's not really involved in the passing game. Um, they did end with Laquan Treadwell, which I thought was an excellent addition to their roster. Now, whether or not they're going to open up the offense a little bit for uh, Teddy Bridgewater remains to be seen. Um, I think that there are some better running backs than Adrian Peterson in fantasy right now, including your Todd Gurley, David Johnson, uh, Le'Veon Bell, who unfortunately will be suspended for those first three weeks. But there are just better quality talent there. Um, that to me deserve being ranked ahead of him. Um, but obviously Adrian Peterson, he's solid. I mean, if you end up getting him in the middle to the late of the first round, God bless you. Um, yeah, I, I think he'll be solid because he's earmarked for 300-plus uh, touches, and that's part of the reason why he's so valuable in fantasy. Now, if you take a look at Ezekiel Elliott, uh, sort of wait and see at this point. What do you think uh, at this point? Do we take him? He would be one of those guys you take early. I mean, he – and then you also have uh, Jamal Charles as well. Yeah. I'll tell you, um, Ezekiel Elliott, I think, is going in the top half of the first round in most drafts, and I think he's being a little overdrafted. Um, certainly it's the whole rookie star – stars born sort of mentality and um, while he's expected to get 300 plus touches I think the reality is um, you have to temper that with he's a rookie and the biggest challenge that rookies have is getting through a 16 game season healthy Um, I went back this summer when I was evaluating you know 
what his projection should be, as well as sort of where he should be ranked, and look back at some more famous rookie running backs. And the one that I got stuck on was Adrian Peterson. In his rookie season, despite putting up, I think it was 1,200, 1,300 yards rushing and double-digit TDs or near-double-digit TDs, he only played in 14 games. And, you know, and, and he's, he's, he's a beast. He's, he's a physical specimen. And I don't know that we can say that about Ezekiel Elliott. I don't know that we could put them at the same level just at this point. So in my mind, Zeke is a better second-round pick. But I suppose if you want him, you'll have to pick him early. And I just, I just don't think that's proven with, with so many other better and, and more proven players to choose from. Is Johnson going to be uh, is Johnson going to be pretty pretty durable in terms of a pick because you guys had him number one back in um, in June so is he still pretty much the go to guy if you can catch if you can get him? Uh, I love David Johnson. That's who we're talking about, right? Yeah, David Johnson. Yeah, I, I love David Johnson. We 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 actually just uh, uh, like I said, we have this TFG access. And uh, I, I moved Todd Gurley up ahead of David Johnson in non-PPR leagues. But in PPR leagues, I still think he's the man. It was funny. We sat down, we did our projections, and then there was that news this summer, if you heard, didn't hear it, that's okay, that he was going to get 60% of the carries. And, you know, suddenly people were like, oh, you know, he's not going to get as many fantasy points and blah, blah, blah. We went back and we looked at our projection, and we had him at 60% already. So, and he was still, you know, ranked ahead and producing more than some of these other players that we've mentioned. So in my mind, I think, you know, I mean, all you had to do with David Johnson was give him the eye test. And the eye test said this was a dynamic, a power running, fleet of foot, silky, explosive runner, receiver um, that you can possibly see in the NFL. And for Bruce Arians to not play him a majority of the snaps, I would be stunned. I mean, he could talk all he wants about wanting to get Chris Johnson touches. I, I think that's great. Um, Chris Johnson is still a productive running back. Certainly you don't want to drive David Johnson into the ground. They've got Andre Ellington, who I think they're going to get some touches to simply because he's in a contract year, and they've got to make up their mind whether or not they're going to keep him. Um, so, you know, he's going to lose some touches. But I think based on what we saw last year, some people would say it's not enough of a sample. I, I, I don't care what the sample is. It's enough for me to look at him and say he passes the eye test and he's a stud and he's deserving of a top five pick in your fantasy draft. Now we talk about Devonta Freeman from the Falcons who had a pretty good, uh, pretty good season in terms of touchdown scorings. Uh, and he put up, I think over a thousand yards. So where do you, where do you feel Freeman at this point? If, if we ha- if we could get him, um, is he above anybody else at this point in terms of value? Well, it certainly is. I mean, um, you know, the thing that um, we had him ranked pretty high uh, this off season, and then there was news that Tevin Coleman's going to get more touches than he did last year, be a little bit more part of the offense. At least that's their goal. I mean, they spent a good draft pick on him. He's a very good running back based on what we saw in college, what we saw in the senior bowl, what we even saw on the field last year in his limited play. So that says that Devonta Freeman should be downgraded because um, they'll lose some touches. And in part, they're going to do that because they want to save him 
and get him to last an entire season, something he had a hard time doing last year. Um, so we pushed him down into the second round. Um, that having been said, uh, the game that we that I saw this weekend, he, he scored a touchdown. He looked great. He was explosive. He was all those things last year that you had to love about him. So you know, if you don't get him in the first, if he's not a first round draft pick, poo hoo, he's a second round one. Go get him. Is Brock Eisler uh, overrated at this point? And given the fact that you got the combination of Lamar Miller, uh, what do you see of the Texans at this point? Do we is it is Miller some of an something of an option in terms of running back? And is is Osweiler going to be uh, you know an option at quarterback at this point in terms of you know helping you with scoring points and stuff like that? You know, I, I'm, I'm I'm definitely of the mindset of um, saying. You know, he's not worth a draft pick, um, except in the deepest of fantasy leagues and as a backup. Uh, and the reason right. being is when you look at his body of work from last year, there was nothing that was really off the charts. I mean, he did a great job, uh, considering this it was his first extended game action where he was starter for multiple games in a row, but it was nothing off the charts. Now he's in a new offense. Granted, he's got a, a great offense around him, you know, I, I'm still of the mindset that if you're going to get him, he's going to be your second quarterback, and it's going to be very late in drafts in deeper leagues. I'd rather see him sit on the waiver wire, and if he really ends up breaking through, people can fight about him and run after him. But there's there's plenty of guys ranked ahead of him, not, not to worry about that. In terms of how he, the people around him, Lamar Miller should get a heavy workload. That Texans offense has always been run heavy. I, I, despite what they're doing in the preseason, they're throwing the football a lot, which I think is great for Brock Osweiler. And it's great for Lamar Miller um, to keep him fresh. And he's looked just fine. Um, I can't recall if he scored a touchdown, but that's okay. He'll be fine. He was very productive for the Dolphins when given the chance. DeAndre Hopkins, you know, I was, I was a little worried that he'd have a little drop-off. But if anything, it's starting to become clearer that with all these talented players around, young players, Jalen Strong, Braxton Miller, um, uh, Eric Fuller, uh, you know, it's becoming obvious that Brock Osweiler is going to have a lot of options, and that's the one thing that might end up making him a great late-run grab as a backup, uh, but even a better waiver wire add, which is probably where, where he will end up. And Will Fuller this past weekend, he looked awesome. I mean, he's, he's, he's a rookie. He's keeping pace with Jalen Strong in terms of snaps. He's outproducing them. He had a couple great touchdown grabs. He's going to be one of these guys who, as I mentioned, he's going to blow it up for big big gains and a touchdown here and there. That'll be his value. He'll, he'll be a bench player this year in fantasy at best, but he's definitely somebody to look forward to in the future. Now, uh, Jim, where do you look at the Niners situation in terms of a fantasy aspect? I mean, you Kaepernick's been there, the key guy. Uh, Chip Kelly comes in. You got Gabrick going in. Um, and um, – uh, Troy Wilson's actually joining us now. So, Troy, welcome to the – you're in with, uh, with with myself and Jim Sorrentes. Uh, we're just talking fantasy right now, so we'll get you in the mix. Uh, but overall, San Francisco, where where do you see this Chip Kelly uh, – you know, is there a benefit to taking Kaepernick at this point? You also have uh, – is you know, I'm, I'm assuming he's going to make a decision real soon in terms of who's going to, who's going to lead this, but – is is Kaepernick an option in terms of a lower quarterback? You know, because uh, in, in, if you're not taking a you know big name quarterback at this point, uh, no, Kaepernick's not an option. Um, I'm, I'm 99% sure 
that um, Gabbert will be the 49ers starting quarterback. That's, That's my feeling, together. too, because all the yeah. messages go that route, and he's more reliable. It just seems like he's yeah. not fitting into what they want. Yeah, well, you know, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with Chip Kelly's offense and it's fitting Colin Kaepernick. I mean, he had a couple of things going against him. The biggest one is this offseason he was injured. So he wasn't available the first time they got together with a, a new head coach. Um, new head coaches are allowed to practice with their teams earlier than returning head coaches. So he wasn't available for that. He wasn't available for um, OTAs. And I think he just got back uh, for training camp. And even there, I think he's, he's been limited. So, you know, if he gets his opportunity, it's going to be weeks into the season if the team is struggling or Blaine Gabbard is injured. In terms of the overall fantasy picture of the 49ers, you know, Carlos Hyde is, is obviously he's, he's going to be an RB2. That's how he's going to be drafted. He's got some upside because Chip Kelly's offenses tend to be um, uh, tend to benefit running backs more than anybody else we've seen. Uh, we saw LaShawn McCoy have a really good season there. Um, there's usually one wide receiver that um, does really well in the Chip Kelly offense. Um, but so far what I've seen in the preseason, nothing's been really impressive as to any of those players. So, you know, I, I suppose if, if Carlos Hyde fell to me as a second running back, I would take him. But I, I am also not going to reach for any of these guys. I like Torrey Smith as a late-round grab. Um, he's the veteran in that group. He's a speedster. That offense really benefits speedsters. So, you know, he, to me, is a, a nice grab. Uh, and then I, I just see how the other guys are doing. Somebody in that group is going to do well. It's just a question of who. Yeah, I, I, that's my feeling, too, because it seems like there's still a lot of question marks there in terms of who they're going to set to start and, and make their, their changes, especially with the, the new coaching change and everything else. Um, how about Miami? Um, you know, Tannehill. Then you got Jordan Cameron out there. Um, they got some weapons last year. They started to kind of click. Uh, who can we get in, in terms of the Dolphins, of reliability in any position at this point? Well, um, those are all great questions. Um, it sounds like Arian Foster is going to be their starter, and it sounds like he's pretty, he's in pretty good health. I think, I mean, people are going to be drafting him as a second running back. And, you know, he's going to have a lot of upside in this offense. Um, so I like him. He's certainly an injury risk. Um, so be careful. Don't don't reach for him. If you miss him, don't, don't freak out. Um, outside of that, I, I would have to go with the wide receivers. Um, certainly Devontae Parker showed so much last year as a rookie. Um, I, don't, I don't see why he won't have a productive season. But you're going to grab him uh, more as a second wide receiver or as a third wide receiver on your fantasy team. The, the bigger guy is going to be Jarvis Landry, um, who's always been a favorite of Ryan Tannehill's. Um, I love him. You know, you're going to get him as a, a wide receiver, too, and if you score him as your third wide receiver, I think that's great. Um, he's always been productive, and he's always been sort of a guy who can score. Ryan Tannehill, you know, Adam Gase is going to do his, his work, his magic on him. At best, he's a quarterback, too, though. There's just no reason to overdraft him, no reason to think that he's suddenly going to break from his history and suddenly um, morph into Tom Brady. I just don't see that. Uh, Jordan Cameron, I'm concerned about. I know some people view him as a sleeper. Adam Gase's offenses have always been good to tight ends, but he 
just didn't look this, that good in this past uh, preseason game that I was watching. So I'm just not very high on him. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm in with you there. Um, any surprises from New England at this point? Do do we expect Tom Brady to put up similar numbers at this point? Uh, any changes there? I mean, in terms of your eyes, in terms of New England, and who we can pick up maybe from the Patriots? <laughs> well, and we've already talked about Rob Gronkowski. Tom Brady, for me, um, his QFG rating is always high. So, you know, I have him, I think, as our fifth or sixth-ranked quarterback, even with him missing four games. Um, and I say that very confidently because, again, um, you, you, the, the drop-off between the first quarterback to the second, to the third, to the fourth, and so forth, there are small steps. You should be able to get a backup that you can play for four weeks and then rely on Tom Brady when he comes off the suspension. And Tom's a guy that will, you know, 90% of his games are uh, QFG top-rated games. So I, I like him for that. Um, Julian Edelman will obviously, obviously remain a force. He's more of a wide receiver three. I think people would be surprised to hear that. Um, for some reason, he's just viewed as you know a much more productive running back, but the reality is the numbers don't lie. He's really a wide receiver three. Uh, Martellus Bennett uh, could end up being a low TE1, which, again, that's why I don't panic if you don't get one of the higher-ranked tight ends early. I mean, he's a guy that you, you platoon him with another guy and, you know, they'll carry your tight end position the entire season. It's expected that he'll put up decent numbers. How great, I don't know. And then as far as everybody else, it's hard to say. I mean, people were high on Chris Hogan, and yet, you know, who is he going to take touches away from? Um, same thing, uh, the kid from Georgia whose name escapes me, Mitchell. Uh, he's a, he's a, a, not Malcolm Mitchell. He's uber talented. But, um, you know, rookies don't have great success in, in – in, the Patriots offense uh, uh, with Tom Brady. I mean, he needs to get a little time under his belt and uh, sort of, um, uh, I mean, he's learning the playbook. Troy, are you on now? Hey, I'm here. How's it going, guys? Awesome. Troy, uh, you're on with Jim Sorrenti's, uh the fantasy group. We're just chatting uh, fantasy football. Um, and so, uh, uh, Jim, before we bring in Troy here, uh, let the fans know exactly where they can get your, uh, your uh, draft guide on Amazon again. Absolutely. Just go to Amazon.com and the search engine type Fantasy Greek Draft Guide. Um, you'll see it right at the top. Uh, it's got Le'Veon Bell on the cover. I think it's $11.99 for the hard copy. And if you have Kindle, uh, you can download it onto Kindle, so that's really great. Um, go check it out and uh, you know, get, get yourself some TFG access. Yeah, and uh, on the guide, we just might add that you got draft tip, uh, drafting tips. You got the twelve, the twelve team mock draft. You also have the top uh, quarterback uh, QFG ratings, over three hundred player profiles. Plus, you got sleepers, rookies, and injury risks. So it's worth the price of gold for it, uh, especially if you're drafting early in this this week and next week before the season kicks off. Um, also, Jim, can you let, let them know where they can find you on Facebook? Sure. Um, it's 166 pages, which is shows you got a lot of stuff there. Um, on Facebook, it's The Fantasy Greek. On Twitter, it's at The Fantasy Greek. And if you want to follow me personally, it's at Jim Sarantius. Jim Sarantius. Okay. So, um, Troy, I, I put up pretty much my question, so I'm going to leave the floor to you to see what you want Jim to answer at this point. Cool, Jim. Hey, Jim, uh, I had a, had a couple questions. Uh, I'm a huge Redskins fan. 
So I was wondering what your take is on the Redskins offense, and because and, I know they had a lot of success throwing the ball last year. But specifically, now that Matt Jones is going to be the lead back, what is the feeling out there amongst uh, people in, in, you know, in fantasy football about how he'll do this year? Well, you know, the Redskins are probably one of those fantasy teams that uh, nobody really talks too much about. Um, the feeling on Matt Jones is he's in an ideal situation because Jay Gruden has historically liked to use running backs in his offense. Um, so, you know, the sky's the limit for him. He'll be drafted as an RB2, um, but he's already hurt. And that, that gets me nervous. He was hurt last year. Um, I think that you're better off spending your draft picks on the receivers for the Redskins and Kirk Cousins, quite frankly, um, who projects as a low-end QB1, um, which is strange to think about drafting a Redskins quarterback is your starting fantasy quarterback, but it's the reality. Um, I, I still like Deshaun Jackson. You'll probably be able to get him as your third wide receiver. He'll never be a big PPR guy because he's, his ceiling sort of about 60, 65 receptions, but he's always good for yards. He's always good for TDs. Um, that offense, as well as Kirk Cousins, there's always some receiver on the team that they absolutely love. Carter's on a struggle these last few years. So, you know, I mean, he's a bench player at this point in his career. Uh, in terms of fantasy, and Josh Dotson already got hurt. Um, I, I'm, I'm having a hard time even calling him a late-run flyer anymore. It, this may be a season to just, you know, in Dynasty, hold on to him. But in all other formats, I'd probably go ahead and avoid him. Jordan Reed's going to be the big guy uh, in fantasy over there, and I think the only thing you have to concern yourself with is how many games is he going to play this year. Um, in three seasons, his best season was uh, 14 games. The next one was nine. The other one was three. So, no fingers are crossed. You can get them for all 16, but I doubt it. I don't know if Troy dropped off at this point. Um, he's having bad reception or something, but he's going to be back on it in a little bit. So, that's that's kind of interesting to think. When you when, As a fan, you're kind of rooting for one – for one team, and all of a sudden when you go into fantasy, you're really picking puzzles and putting things together, uh, your own team. So it's interesting to see how the dynamic becomes uh, where you're no more uh, no more of a loyalist uh, in terms of a team fanfare anymore because you're really trying to maximize your potential in terms of your own roster and team to, to draft. So kind of interesting. A lot of people kind of miss out on that concept where they – try to draft like my first time drafting was basically trying to draft as many players for my team thinking that you know just because yeah. I'm a loyal to the, to the squad that I'm going to I'm going to benefit and in reality it's the opposite it's like it's no different than uh you know being at the draft and you got to just hand pick and select your squad uh to maximize your potential so um it, in in terms of a numbers aspect of it um I had a lot of people tell me Jim uh, do you have to be you know a, a numbers geek to really dive into fantasy football? No, you don't have to be. I mean, you know, you know there's what's called value-based drafting, and I suppose most drafting is value-based, and what I mean by that is, um, you know, I, I like to set, set my ranks in terms of players uh, and their projections. I always notate the guys that are injury risks or new offenses and this and that, and sometimes those things don't matter. But, you know, if, if you're picking between two players, you might say, well, this guy here is 
got a potentially bad knee, I might pass on him and go to the next guy that's similar. Um, and then there's other guys that ignore the projections altogether and just stick with, you know, who the number one guys are, the number two, the number three. I mean, obviously, you know, the thinking is is that all the wide receiver ones should be off the board before all the wide receiver twos go. That's not necessarily true. Sometimes the team's second wide receiver could be better than some other team's first wide receiver. Um, but it's value-based, and you don't have to have fantasy points to figure that out. Same thing if you're picking, you know, quarterback in the first round versus the third round. That's a value-based pick in my mind because the numbers don't support that. Um, so I guess you don't have to. I just think that if you spend a little time, you might be at the um, sort of the um, at the edges uh, of making decisions. You'll be able to be swayed one way or another by by sometimes considering the numbers. So, Jim, it's not going to be like uh, some of the ladies told me. You just kind of pick your favorite color and uh, you roll with that. <laughs> well, if that works for you, I suppose keep doing it. But I have yet to hear that. Yeah, I know. Fact, I'm just laughing. I, I had one. I had a lady on one of my fantasy uh, leagues before. She said, "I'm just going with the favorite color, and and if he's got sweet buns, I'm working with him." So I'm like, "All right, go. good to go." <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh, well, sad. Anyways, um, good method to to pick the pick. I guess I, she didn't win the league, by the way. Just just to let you know. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so Jim. Kind of, kind of exciting. Uh, kind of give us an idea of your growth. I know you started. Uh, give us a history of the the fantasy Greek, so fans can dive into the the amount of you know effort that you've put into this. And obviously, uh, now you've coupled yourself with a good good network, and and putting the draft guide together. You know, uh, we just have to applaud you and congratulate you for your success. You know, we've been like I said, we're going into our fifth year. Um, we started off as a blog and then became this interactive website. At any given time, I have 15 to 20 writers. Certainly, if you are a person out there that wants to write about fantasy football, if you have a favorite team they want to write about twice a week, reach out to me. Drop me an email at Jim at the Fantasy Greek, and uh, we'll get you. We'll get your work. We'll get you writing about your favorite team as a contributor. Um, uh, we this past summer we became uh, affiliates of USA Today Sports, so that was a huge feather in our cap. Um, we appreciate the association very much and look forward to working with them in the future. And certainly we think that it identifies our site as one of the better quality uh, websites. Um, this past summer and more so in the past few weeks, uh, we're fortunate enough to be working with um, a PhD um, who, who loves doing fantasy sports stats. And um, we've added to our site a fantasy football analytics page. Um, I've been posting articles which show the strength is scheduled by position, by divisions. So if you're a Bears fan, come to our, our homepage and you'll see um, the, the NFC North, um, and you can see how Jay Cutler's matchups look, etc. You can come and look at the NFC West. That's on our homepage right now. Um, we just added a – this is actually a really good article. I posted it today. It's a 2015 target report with sort of an explanation as why you can use it to view teams and how they pass the football. Certainly in the offseason, one of the things that I do in trying to do projections, I, I look back at the last three seasons of a team's offense, you know, how often they run the football, how often they pass, and not just the team, but really the coordinator. So, for example, if there's a new coordinator 
on a team. I look at the last three seasons, whether they were with um, Team A or two years with Team A and one year with Team B. Put those together, and, you, and it gives you a picture of what the offense will look like. So anyway, the target report um, identifies the teams that throw the football a lot as well as the teams that don't. You mentioned the Vikings. They're at the bottom of the target list, but at the top is the Jets. And that kind of already tells you, hey, you want Brandon Marshall, you want Eric Decker. Do you have to not want Laquan Treadwell? I'd say no, but there's other guys that you can value ahead of him because of those offenses. So, um, uh, you know, come check it out. It's on the homepage. And and this is coming from, uh, this is what I call PhD-level stats. Yeah, it's very – I was looking at it today, this afternoon, before coming on the show, and uh, it was on the Facebook page that I I follow. So it was really interesting. I think that's a huge dynamic breakdown when when you're going through uh, week-to-week selecting who's going to get the ball, who's going to get the more touches. It kind of gives you an idea, like you said, in terms of, you know, the mindset behind the offensive coordinators and behind the coaching aspects of it not necessarily just picking the players and figuring out that, you know, you're, you're on your knees wishing that they're going to put up so many points for it. But the the game planning, in other words, and the habit forming is really what you're getting at down here is, is the, the habit forming of individuals and how they're going to, you know, play out. Um, Troy, uh, I know you're having connectability issues uh, out there, so I hope uh, we can, we can keep you on. Um, so any other questions for Jim? I think he dropped off through. again because he's having yeah. – yeah, he's having the connectability. I think he's on the road, so yeah. it's cutting in and out. Yeah, so, Jim, um, I mean, it's it, it's going to be a great season. So far, preseason has been very extended. Uh, did you anticipate 90,000 at the Coliseum? Say that again? I said it was. it's going to be a great season. Did you anticipate 90,000 for a preseason game at, at the Coliseum? I mean, I didn't think it was going to be that big of a turnout. But uh, kind of surprising um, that you had that much people at the preseason game. Los Angeles is excited to have the Rams, and um, I, I think that's the kind of turnout they're going to have all season long. Even, you know, they're going to be good enough uh, that they'll be in games, and people are going to want to go watch a football game. And I like to go watch a football game there. Uh, the weather, I've, I've been in California a few times. I love the weather there. Um, the people are friendly. The people are nice. And, um, yeah, I, I, I guess I'm surprised because it was preseason, but I'm not surprised because the people, I'm sure, have been wanting a football team for a very, very long time, and I'm glad to see the NFL gave it to them. Now, on your site, you got a lot of contributors. Is there any key people we need to be watching out for um, this season in terms of insights week to week that you're, you know, you're highly on, that people can watch out um, they can follow you on obviously on the Facebook page, but you said on the on the website as well. So, are there any key people that we oh. should be looking out for in terms of insights? Sure. I mean, if you come to the website uh, um, uh, on the main navigation bar, go to the About Us and you get the drop down. Go to the writers. Follow everybody on that page. Um, they're all good guys. Um, they all have something to say. Our top guys are going to be um, Chad Bellin. He covers the Cardinals. Obviously, the Cardinals are expected to do really good and great things this season in what should be a very interesting NFC West um, as it develops. So he's a guy that just he's an excellent writer, great analyst. And right below him on that page, you see Sammy Bissett. Sammy's really come of his own this past year. Um, He does our defensive ranks. He's our Texans guy. 
and um, he's been getting more on podcasts and doing things like that. And I encourage people to ask these guys to come on. Um, the other guy that I would say, it, it, amongst all these people, that you should give him a close look is Derek Guilford. Um, he's sort of halfway down the page. He just became a member of the Fantasy Sports Writers Association. Um, he writes on Fantasy Pro sometimes, which you know comes with the territory. But he's a great guy. He covers the Patriots, covers the Niners. And um, he's got a lot of insightful things to say. One other guy is Keith Grieve. Keith writes from time to time about the Bears. He's a big Bears fan. Um, but what he, what he does is he runs an online radio station called Late Night Sports Radio. And um, he's a producer extraordinaire. And I'm lucky to be on his radio station once a week. And um, he's got some good stuff going on there. Check him out. Give him a listen. And um, I think those are probably the stars of the site. Besides yourself, of course, who's uh, uh, very, very informative. Um, so, you know, Jim, I'm, I'm, I'm in the hopeful stages that uh, not just in a fantasy state, but uh, what do you think of all this stuff with the, uh, the violations, all these players, the suspensions and things that have happened in the league? How does that affect fantasy in that regard? I mean, is it, is it a situation where we're picking the fantasy uh, you know, board, we're drafting early, and all of a sudden, these other things come into about. So, how do you go to adjusting? In other words, do are at that point once it's set on your once your fantasy lineup is set, is it more of a trade option for you to kind of get somebody to take somebody or drop somebody or pick up somebody else? I mean, uh, what's your mindset there when there's obviously issues on field or off? I mean, off field issues that are affecting somebody's you know uh, durability in terms of a fantasy stack. Well, if what you're talking about issues off the field that lead to suspension, that's, you know, nine times out of ten you don't see it coming. You just find out in the news that your player was suspended and suddenly you're caught off guard. If it's a suspension, um, it's only for a few weeks. Hopefully you're deep enough that you can just sort of ride it out. If it's not, um, or you can turn the waiver wire and fill the spot if it's not, and and you can get somebody to to give you more um more than the guy might be worth for the next few weeks, you know, then, then you go ahead and you make the trade. Um, and all this is going to be dictated by the size of your league. If you're in a 10-team league, you shouldn't have to do a trade. You should be able to go to the waiver wire and find somebody to take that player's place. If you're in a 12-team league, that depends. If you're bigger than a 12-team league, then, you know, you're probably going to have a tough time. It's probably going to hurt you. Um Injuries are the same way. I remember Jamal Charles, I had him in a couple of my leagues. And, um, you know, while he was healthy, my, my teams were thriving. And the second he got injured, I had a hard time making it up, either through a trade or through the waiver wire. Um, so, you know, sometimes there's players like that on your team. They're, you know, they, they've, they need to be there all season long. And um, sometimes you miss out on them. Yeah, and, that, and that's the key right there is trying to uh... – trying to figure out if, you know, who's going to, who's going to plug, who you're going to plug in to try to keep you going, um, you know, week to week, because it's going to be sort of tough to find somebody and depending on your league size, as you said, that, that makes sense on how to do that. Um, who are you excited about in terms of teams this year, in terms of uh, not necessarily fantasy, but what, what, you know, top five teams are you really excited to, in terms of the changes they've made? Um, I don't think New England's going to miss a beat. Given uh, given the fact that they have uh, Garofalo um, 
uh, and then uh, Tom Brady with that aspect. So uh, what's, what's your top five teams that you're excited about? Wow. Um, well, you know, let me start off with, and in no particular order, I'm going to go ahead and help my Chicago Bears a little bit. And I know uh, people that don't follow the Bears, they're, they're probably not going to be very excited, but I'll tell you why. I think they could be an exciting team um, in, in a team that's not being talked about that should. Uh, Vic Fangio is a really good coach. And I say that because when he was the coordinator, well, the, the Packers, who pretty much everyone would agree, um, generally boast one of the best offenses in the league, have a hard time against Vic Fangio coach teams. And last year, the Bears beat them. And really, I didn't think they had much of a team on the field. But Vic Fangio took a defense that gave up 225 points in the first half of the season and got that defense to cut that down to 175. And if they could keep that pace up this year and even do better than that, and they've added personnel to do that in uh, Jarrell Jurgens and um, uh, what's his name from um, the Broncos, uh, Danny Trevathan, I really think that this is a defense that could take the turn and the offense is playing well enough and is suddenly healthy enough that it's a team that can make some noise. Um, a team like the Oakland Raiders is, is another team to watch out for. Uh, they spent free agency as well as um, draft picks beefing up both the defense and the offensive side of the ball, and it should pay off on the field in what should be a weaker division. Um, this is a team that could very well be contending or should be contending to make the playoffs, which is something I don't think anyone's thought they would be saying for many years to come, um, I might say. Um, another team that no one's really giving the love to, but in, in the game that I saw them play this past weekend, uh, the New York Giants should be a very good team this year. Um, last year, they were missing a defense. They had the worst defense in the league, ranked 32nd, they're, it's, they're definitely going to be better on the defensive side of the ball. We already know they're going to throw the football over 600 times. They added Sterling Shepard, um, a player who I posted video on both my personal Twitter account and the Fantasy Freaks Twitter account um, that showed him just uh, beating up on defensive backs. And he's a true talent. Will Ty is entering his second year as a pro. He already had a pretty good year as a pro in his rookie season at tight end, so I like what he has to offer. Uh, Rashad Jennings, now that he's had a year in this offense, should actually, you know, he won't explode. Um, I forget if he's 31, 32. I mean, he's got a ceiling, but he's, he's going to give them a running game. And um, the Giants have done things to just turn themselves around, so I expect them to contend to win the NFC East. Um, boy, i got to get two other teams. So let's see. Uh, which other two will I tell you I'm excited to hear about? Uh I really I like Atlanta's it. chances, but yes. I don't know how they'll do. Uh, Jacksonville seems pretty exciting in terms of transition. Yes. Um, you know, Bortles kind of excites me in terms of what they've done there with the receiving core, and, uh, you know, it seems like he's going to be coming into his own. Um, the the other one that I'm interested to see is how Mariota will, will shift in this season and see how that affects him in terms of, uh, you know, moving that team forward. Um, the Rams for me is just sort of a, okay, uh, are we going to go with Goff or are we going to go with Mannion or are we going to go with Keenum? They've already kind of publicly said they're going to go with Keenum. 
Um, so it's kind of like, as a fan, I'm like, I'm hoping that they'll do well, but overall, I just, I just think that they're going to be at that same seven and nine or eight and eight season in, in reality, especially in the West. Yeah. Out of the teams you mentioned, you know, the Rams for me are sort of like the Eagles. They're teams that, you know, I don't know how much we're going to be talking about them this year, but I think next year we'll be talking right. about them. Um, for me, the team, out of the teams you mentioned, the Jacksonville Jaguars, um, an outstanding team in terms of their, their – they've got the right coaches. They've made the right moves on defense this offseason, plus guys are getting healthy. So I'm interested to see how that translates onto the field. But their offense was outstanding. And, you know, Julius Thomas are going to have him for a full season. They added Chris Ivory, which I think just adds another dimension to their running game. I still like T.J. Yeldon over there. They've obviously got two great receivers. Blake Bortles is – Awesome. I mean, if he's not a top five fantasy quarterback, he's certainly a borderline. Um, if you can score him in the in the sixth, seventh round of your fantasy draft, pat yourself on the back. Um, for me, the Falcons, that's a team that's in actually, I think, a tough division. Um, despite all the things that they've done, I just can't tell if it's going to be enough or if it's going to be more of the same. Matt Ryan has sort of had a ceiling on his um his performance as a quarterback. I mean, every offseason I hear people talk about Matt Ryan breaking through. Well, Matt Ryan isn't, you know, he's not a rookie anymore. He's not a second-year quarterback. He's not a third-year. I forgot how many, well, we're talking about him. Let me, let me look him up. But he's been in the league for a while now. And, you know, it's sort of like Jay Cutler. You keep saying he's going to break through this year. Well, how many years are you going to say that before you realize that he's not going to? Um, it's not to say he's a bad quarterback. He's not. So they're going to need other things on their team. Oh, he's been in this in the league for eight years already. So, are we talking yeah. like Jim? Are we are we going to lump him in the same river uh, with Philip Rivers and all them? I mean, uh, this if you had to rate, rank everybody in terms of high elite quarterbacks, there are only a yeah. handful right now left in this league, right? And then the rest of them are either almost impressive, and then you have what you call somewhat moderate or somewhat just decent quarterbacks. So uh, I guess you, you would say Matt Ryan has kind of dropped to that decent quarterback status. I would agree. Um, he, for me, he's not a top small fantasy quarterback anymore. Um, you know, Phillip Rivers sort of is always in the mix. He's always sort of a borderline QB1. He generally plays like a QB1. Um, he's obviously had some seasons where he was a top five, but those seasons are long gone. They don't have exactly the right personnel around him right now, um, and their defense is really struggling. I, I think they're still struggling in the preseason, and that is really sort of cause for concern, and I'm not even sure if they've signed uh, uh, Bosa. Um, and I, it's just I, I'm always befuddled. How, how could you get this guy? You know, when teams can't get players signed, there's something wrong. So, um, yeah, that's usually the yeah, case. I, 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 I think basically based on what you said, I think you are correct. Yeah, and do you feel like Norman's Josh Norman to Washington? I mean, how do you see that move in terms of a fantasy aspect of it? You think he's gonna he's gonna be a key player there at that point, or is this somebody that we can put on a board or not? On paper, he should be. Um, he should help that defense tremendously. That was, you know, the Redskins have had um, they've really had a quiet renaissance over there. Uh, with their new general manager who's made all the right moves, um, making the right draft picks, bringing in the right personnel to sort of turn the team around. You have a commitment to Jay Gruden. I mean, the commitment to turn to Kirk Cousins over the higher draft at RG3, that took a lot. 
Um, so they've done the right things. Um, bringing in Josh Norman, in terms of is he really a great cornerback, that's going to be up to him. And if he just went there for the money and now he's not going to play anymore, shame on him. That's terrible. But I don't think that's going to be the case. I think he wants to be great. And it's a great move. I mean, this is a division that, um, you know, name the teams, they've got outstanding wide receivers and they're going to pass the football, um, especially the Giants. So we're going to get to see the Josh Norman, Odell Beckham show, which I'm looking forward to. Um, so I, I do like the move. I think it will help the team. Um, and more than likely, it's going to be them and the Giants battling it out for first place. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a very interesting. Um, I always equate the season within five games, and it kind of gives you an idea of where where teams are going to finish. I know a couple of teams will surprise you based on percent, but for the most part, within four within the four or five games into the season, you pretty much know uh, you know where they're going to land. If they're going to be you know eight and eight, if they're going to be up up in the ten ten win mark, or if they're going to be up higher than that. Um, the Lavelle. Uh, issue there? Is that going to affect Pittsburgh, do you think, uh, in terms of drafting him? You said to go ahead and probably take him as a backup in that aspect until he gets back, similar to probably Tom Brady at this point, right? Um, first of all, it shouldn't affect the Steelers. D'Angelo Williams should be good enough to get them through the first three games of the season. Um, in terms of fantasy, if you want him, you're going to have to get him by the end of the first round, beginning of the second round, that's just where he's going uh, in mock drafts. And if you do that, you're going to probably end up having to spend a fifth or sixth round pick to get D'Angelo Williams, which I think is a little too high for him. But, I mean, that's the only way you're going to be able to collect all the points through the Steelers running game, which is really the object of what you're trying to do. Um, Would I do that? I'm feeling more comfortable about it given the fact that he's only going to be suspended for three games. When it was four, I, I was kind of like, well, boy, that's a lot. It's only a 13-game fantasy season. Um, you know, and if he ends up being the linchpin of your team, that's not good. And if you're losing out on a top player because of him, that's not good. But now that it's three games, I'm a little more, more comfortable. Um, I would still rather get him in the second round. If at all, like I, I redid the projections, and I think he ranks you know, in the top 30 now. So, I mean, in a third-round third, a third round pick would be ideal, but that's not going to happen. Being in another second, that's perfect. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with that. Um, all right, Jim, so I really appreciate you making the time. Kind of exciting to get with you uh, before the season kicks off. Hopefully we can chat again during the, uh, you know, middle of the season, which, in, like I said, within that five-game stretch and see where we're at in terms of fantasy and, and the um, sleepers and how they turned out in terms of, you know, the rankings and kind of giving you uh, insights as to what you guys are doing over there at the Fantasy Greek. Um, give us a, Go ahead and give us, a, again, uh, where they can get the actual draft guide on Amazon. Absolutely. Uh, again, it's the fantasygreek.com, your second opinion for your fantasy football instinct. Uh, just go to amazon.com and the search engine type fantasy Greek draft guide, and uh, you'll see all three of our draft guides. It's the top one with Le'Veon Bell on the cover. Um, get it. It's 166 pages, truck full of fantasy football information. Plus, you get free TFG access. Um, and then just come visit us. I mean, we're going to have you know um, we have football stuff with power rankings. We now have fantasy football analytics. Um, we do starts and sits. 
um, game previews, which are really cool because not only do the guys share their football knowledge with you, but they give you their own uh, start sits and sort of uh, what we call coach's decision, which is basically, you know, a player that suddenly has a bad matchup or a player that has a good one, you've got to make the decision. Um, you know, and then we have podcasts, uh, usually a couple a week. Um, in the middle of the week, I do starts and sits in 60 minutes. So you just sit down and, you know, go through every single game, every single guy to start and sit um, within reason. And uh, hopefully that gives you your full your full week still. Yeah, it's a really interesting read. Uh, really love it. Great job on it. And like I said, a lot, of, uh, a lot of good contributors as well. So great insights on that as we get towards that. Um, you can also follow Jim uh, at the Fantasy Greek on Facebook, at the Fantasy Greek on Twitter, and obviously thefantasygreek.com. Um, so Jim, I really appreciate you making the time with us at the Great Iron Blitz and uh, supporting the the women's American football movement as well. And we look forward to the NFL season kickoff in a couple weeks here. And so uh, go Bears, go Rams, and uh, for Troy's sake, go Washington. And then you got Inkishi with the <laughs> cowboy cowboy hat over there. So we all we all pretty much a uh, you know, on a mixed mode here, but uh, looking forward to uh, how the Rams will do, as you said, with Chicago as well, and and some of the big names um, that obviously are not going to be playing early in the season, LaBelle, and then you talk about Brady and some of the other big names. So that's going to really affect uh, some shifting in terms of the fantasy, uh, your fantasy game plan within the four or five games into the season, kind of understanding who, who, who you might have to uh, pick off the waiver wires and who you might have to trade. So it's going to be a very exciting season, uh, no doubt. Awesome. Thanks again for everything. I appreciate it, and uh, we'll talk soon. All right, Jim, thank you for making the time. Safe travels out there. Uh, we'll keep, be keep keeping tabs on you at the Fantasy Greek on Twitter, at the Fantasy Greek on Facebook, and you can always go to thefantasygreek.com and get access there and exclusive interviews, as well as the new Target report that he just mentioned. So it's a real good read as well. So, Jim, thank you again. Have a great uh, afternoon and weekend, and we'll uh, touch base during the middle of the season. Awesome. Take care. All right. So that was Jim Sorrentes. Uh, he's the founder of the Gridiron Greek, uh, on the, the Fantasy Greek. I'm <laughs> Gridiron Greek. The Fantasy Greek. Uh, great insights on there. You can also follow him on Twitter, like I said, at the Fantasy Greek on Facebook at the Fantasy Greek. Great insights. If you go to the Facebook page right now, two updated reports um, on his site. Uh, one of them was the Fantasy Outlook. Will uh, Fuller edging Jalen Strong, the Fantasy Greek, uh, will basically with some insights there. That was the last couple hours. And then if you go into the, the target report that he was talking about, what you need for fantasy football, sort of a great read there because it makes you understand um, who's pass happy and who doesn't run the ball as often. So it kind of gives you a different perspective in terms of, like he said, who to draft, who to go with uh, on a Sunday, each Sunday, or a Thursday or a Monday, uh, and really gives you uh, a second idea in terms of if you're holding back on somebody or you feel like somebody's going to break out and have great potential. So, um, you know, we look forward to, obviously, the outcomes at this point, but check them out at thefantasygreek.com, and then you can also go to uh, Facebook, like I said, The Fantasy Greek on Facebook, Facebook and on Twitter at the Fantasy Greek. Um, Troy Wilson, unfortunately, is not going to join us today. We got some Wi-Fi drop-off issues. Um, he was out in some of the areas that obviously uh, are not picking up a signal, so we apologize for that. But uh, we're going to finish off strong here, 
as we always do on the Blitz right here on Block Talk Radio and ultimatesportstalk.com. And during the NFL season, we are going to be covering the women's great iron scene in Down Under, which is Green Iron Queensland, which is in week two now. And then very soon here in another week or so, we're going to be uh, covering the Gridiron New South Wales uh, season with the four clubs there. And then uh, more action with the non-full kits uh, leagues as we get down in Mexico as well. So going towards the season, uh, we'll pick up the American scene as well as some updates on the, ger- on the German uh, results in terms of the uh, championship there. And so if you have any information to uh, send to us, please go to uh, the Gridiron Beauties on Facebook and direct message us in terms of anything to do with women's American football that we're not aware of. We'd love to network with you, and we'd love to get that information out to all our followers as well. Uh, we want to congratulate uh, everybody that uh, has hung out with us for the last five years. We are so close to uh, 6,000 followers on Twitter, which is a huge accomplishment for us. And I want to be, I want to thank personally every one of our followers on Twitter for being loyalists, for supporting the women, uh, women's American football, full kit, non-full kit, and obviously supporting women's sports uh, and also supporting our campaign, the no joke football campaign. I also want to give a shout out to all our supporters who have from day one and the the most recent ones who have uh, believed in our project, believe in empowering women uh, to support them and to portray to the world that the uh, women's American football game is no joke football. It is real football played by real women with passion, excitement, and that's what we do. We cover it on Twitter 24-7, and we, uh, we're proud to do that, and we're able to take that to another level. Uh, in the coming months here, we are going to step up our game. We're going to be having, having a lot more uh, things that are going to be happening with the campaign. Uh, we really want to spotlight uh, amazing, talented players, not just in the U.S. or North America, but globally as we follow them as well. And uh, I want to give a shout-out to, like I said, Christy Moran, Lauren Evans, primarily. Those are the two figures that have uh, helped us with our branding, our campaign, our slogan, uh, our no-joke football uh, champions in the Green Iron Queensland League. Uh, so if you get a chance to go out there and support them, if you're in Australia, over in Queensland, um, please Go out there and meet them. Uh, amazing women they are, Christy Moran and Lauren Evans. Um, they're featured on pretty much on our Facebook page, our Instagram, as well as on our Twitter, and we appreciate that. Um, so um, Liza Thomas, we, uh, we cannot say enough good things about her, her photo shoots with her apparel, and she was one of the key people that obviously got this campaign up and running and down under, and we are really appreciative of her efforts, and we cannot be more gracious to her and to uh, help us elevate and, and transform this campaign into a bigger, bigger thing. Um, so we also work with the uh, Like a Girl campaign and This Girl Can out of UK and uh, out of the US. So we're really proud of our accomplishments. Uh, we're this close. We're about 50-something followers close. So spread the word. Get us to 6,000. We are almost to 4,000 followers on all social media platforms uh, amazing job on our social media marketing campaign. Um, so if you go to the shop at Zazzle.com, you're able to purchase any type of apparel there. And based on the apparel purchase, every dollar that comes out of it. Um, so right now, currently, we are, we are donating $3, which is our profit, to any of the shirts on our site, um, chalk line shirts, that will go to the uh, Women's Outback team to help towards their 2017 fundraiser to go to the IFAB World Championships. So if you go to the site, there's a tab there that says uh, Australian Women's Campaign. 
And if you to tab on that tab, you look at the shirts, take a look at it. You can customize the shirts in different colors for your team um, and also uh, get that in different types of apparel, tank tops, um, hoodies, uh, and all uh, sports workout apparel as well. So check out the site at Zazzle.com, Great Iron Beauties. And if you uh, purchase anything else from the shop, what, what ends up happening, all the dollars accumulated from the shirts accumulated, all the, all the dollars go towards uh, spotlighting another no-joke football supporter, an outstanding athlete or woman that's playing uh, women's American football globally, uh, like Phoebe Sheckler of the uh, BAFA women, as well as, like I mentioned earlier, Christy Moran and Lauren Evans down south, CJ um, Kinesia as well as down south, and uh, Tracy Day, and uh, there's a bunch of other players uh, on our, our website and our Twitter feed that you can look at in terms of our media gallery. So congratulations, and we thank every one of them for supporting our project and our campaign. And just once more time, just to let you know what we follow, we follow w- amazing women athletes that play American football, and their game is no-joke football. So we're going to the Legends uh, recap here. we got about 10 minutes. I'm going to go through it pretty fast here. Um, Showware Center, you're going to watch it this Saturday. Uh, Troy Wilson, hopefully we'll be back next week and we'll do a thorough recap at this. But just on a breakdown mode right here, uh, Seattle Miss coming into this game. It was the Dallas Desire. Dallas Desire took care of Omaha Hart last week. They come into this week looking to upset the Miss, which they had beaten prior uh, in their first matchup, and they edged the Miss at home. So now it was a matter of uh, who wants it more. Uh, Seattle, with a little bit of time off, and some recovery time by Danica Brace and obviously Stevie Schnorr and everybody else, Jessica Hopkins. And I just I can go on and on with the all-star fantasy squad that this uh, Miss team has. Uh, Kiki Matheny, uh, Stevie Schnorr, and then you got Bren, Bren Renda. Um, they put on a pretty much a clinic uh, against Dallas. Uh, they put up a fight. Dallas put up a pretty good fight, but not enough to muster the assault, uh, offensive assault that the Miss did here, 44-6. They win it. You'll get to watch it this Saturday uh, via Legends Football League on YouTube. And so it's going to be a very exciting game uh, to watch. The move here is Seattle was obviously more than happy to move on to uh, to the birth of Legends Cup. They're looking forward to a back-to-back title. Storylines combine here. A lot of the players that are on this team were on former teams throughout the LFL, and obviously now they get an opportunity here. Um, to basically hoist another cup. Uh, Stevie Schnorr will be uh, an opportunity for her, will be second Legends U.S. Cup. She won uh, the uh, Canadian Legends Cup um, also. Um, so she, she's got hard work coming on. Uh, Jessica Hopkins, long veteran, uh, long tenured veteran as well, looking for her second cup. You had uh, Christine Moore coming in back this season, Shay Norton coming back this season. They uh, obviously are looking for the hardware of the cup. So a lot of players were enticed to come back by uh, Coach Michelson. And then you're going to have the Hall of Fame nominees at this point coming up this weekend. We will see who gets nominated for the uh, Legends Football League Hall of Fame for 2016 and who's going to be followed alongside um, Monique Axiola and Liz Gorman. We will see who the third nominee in the uh, Hall of Fame for Legends Football League will be this coming coming weekend. We should have an announcement soon in terms of who's going to be the person uh, for the LFL Awards in terms of nominated for the Hall of Fame. Great honor. Uh, I'm putting on my vote out there. It should be Coach Hack. He's been with this league since 2009. I think it's deserving to have that type of individual, um, you know, put into the Hall. 
Uh, he's been a pioneer for the sport. He's stuck with the league. He's done everything he could to support the Bliss. So uh, not, to, not taking nothing away from David Bissov, who's won three championships in Los Angeles. But uh, overall, I think he would be the deserving one to get it because of his tenure, because of the birth of the league. And he's been there since day one. He was he played in the first game uh, against Miami Caliente in Chicago. So I think it would be fitting for him to get the honor at this point. And then the other game, uh, it was a nail-biter. Sort of the same story that we had last week as Atlanta comes into Chicago, okay, once again at Shoreware Center, taking on the Bliss. Uh, last week, Atlanta pretty much owned Chicago for a couple quarters. Then all of a sudden, at halftime, Coach Hack says, you know, they're, they're just taunting you. You need to get your game together. And all of a sudden, what happens? The Bliss turn on their defensive fronting. They sh- literally almost shut out the steam in the end. Um, and, and, you know, they hold them back, and they win the game. They come back and assault and really win the game. And at this time, this time around, they were up. The steam, you know, with Dakota Hughes, and you got Adrian Purnell, you got uh, Larry, um, um, Lauren Ziegler, and you got a bunch of weapons there, Brittany Demery and all them. And somehow, some way, this team, somehow, versus Chicago, finds a way to somehow explode and implode themselves and not win and, and just lose this important matchup. This is their sixth loss against Chicago, crucial losses twice in the, in the Eastern Conference Final, as well as the regular season. Uh, you've got to give credit to Chicago, Jacinda Barkley, Chris, uh, Chris Harris, Josh E. Rice, Chantel Taylor, I mean, A.J. Johnson, the whole squad on the Bliss being down that at halftime, they come back and they literally shut out team for two quarters in the second half and they win 30 to 25. You will watch the game this past, this coming weekend. Don't forget to watch that. I know the 44 to six win by Seattle is, is impressive, but if you're going to watch any game from the legends cup uh, birth uh, playoff birth type of preview here for the Eastern conference, I would say watch the Eastern conference final uh, 30 to 25 and the Chicago bliss once again, take care of the Atlanta steam. Um, I don't know what uh, Atlanta is thinking right now, but I can tell you right now, uh, they're disappointed. They're way devastated to lose back-to-back weeks and then have a lead at the beginning. I mean, they're going to be thinking this over and over in their season for between now and then and the opportunity. So Dane Robinson, uh, I mean, I don't know. He's got to throw his hands up at this point because it's just – how can you how can you be up so bad uh, so 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 far and all of a sudden you give up all this and then you end up losing in the end to a crucial game the game is to go to legends cup and to go to the championship and you're not able to do that so it sets up the stage KK Matheny, Danica Brace taking on Dina Fagiano taking on Josh Rice Chantel Taylor Chris Del Harris Chicago Bliss uh the Chicago Bliss looking for redemption right now and the Seattle Miss looking for back-to-back championships. So uh, stay tuned on Twitter at Gridiron Beauty. Go to Facebook at uh, Gridiron Beauties on Facebook. And like I said, this weekend uh, on the uh, Legends Football League channel via YouTube, you can catch both games. They're going to be broadcast there. The 44-6 win by Seattle to, to go to the uh, Legends Cup in Scottsdale, Arizona. And then obviously the 30-25 um, the big comeback by the Chicago Bliss 
to take that. Jacinda Barkley at this point looking for a U.S. Legends Cup victory. She has the first LFL U.S. Australia victory with New South Wales Surge, similar to uh, C.V. Snore's um, Canada Legends Cup victory with the uh, BC Angels. So history can be made there by that, and there's a storyline there. The other storyline is the um, the all-fantasy squad, Seattle Miss, going for back-to-back championships. So um, please check out our um, website at Zazzle.com, and uh, if you don't have a special code up there that you can save big money, we can always give you the 10% code, so order, ship, 10 is your code, order, ship, 10, and you can get 10% off anytime as you go to the store. Uh, so we appreciate you guys listening to us. Troy and Kishi should be back next week. And thanks to Jim Sorrentes from The Fantasy Greek for giving us all the insights on fantasy football. If you missed the show today, you can uh, replay it on our podcast from the beginning, and you can get all the insights that Jim had in terms of this year's fantasy football season coming up. And then uh, Legends Cup preview We'll be here next week as Troy Wilson dissects the uh, both Western Conference Championships and the Eastern Conference Championships. Um, stay up to date on everything happening in the in the world of women's American football, at, and office, obviously with the No Joke Football Campaign. You can go to Twitter um, at Great Iron Beauty. Thanks for making us the number one Twitter sports site globally on Twitter. We really really appreciate it. And we're close to 6,000 fans. So um, if you follow us, please do a fast follow on Fridays. Make sure to spread the word to follow us. Uh, so, and make sure you let everybody know we have women that play American football globally, and their game is no joke football. So, for uh, Troy Wilson and Kishi Free, uh, Oscar Lopez saying we'll catch you here next week, right here on Block Talk Radio, UltimateSportsTalk.com, the Great Iron Blitz, and we'll catch you guys next week. Have a good night, everybody.